0: Most Christians are familiar with written prophecies and oral prophecies in the Bible, but few seem to be aware of symbolic prophecies. When you become familiar with these, you can find Jesus throughout the pages of the Old Testament. For an interview with a Bible prophecy expert concerning symbolic prophecy, stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. My colleague Nathan Jones and I have, as our special guest this week, a Bible prophecy expert who has made a reputation for himself as an interpreter of symbolic prophecy. His name is Alan Walker. He is from Nawata, Oklahoma, and he heads up a ministry called Alan Walker Ministries. Alan, welcome to Christ in Prophecy. Dave, thankful to be with you today. It's always good to have an Okie come down here to God's country in Texas. Reluctantly. <laughs> Well, we're glad to have you, brother.
1: Uh, Good to have you. Nathan, good to be with you. You too. I got a question for you. We're talking about symbolic prophecy. Could you define it for us and then give us some examples?
2: Okay. Prophecy in the Bible uh, is scattered throughout Genesis to Revelation. When Jesus rose from the dead, he explained the Old Testament prophecies to his followers and pointed out how they all fulfilled teaching about Him.
1: So there were symbols of prophecies that would be fulfilled later in Jesus' life?
2: For example, uh, in Genesis 3.15 the seed of the woman was predicted. That was actually the first prophecy in the Bible. But then Adam was put to sleep. A rib was taken from him. The woman was created from the rib. And then Adam had a bride. And that was a type or a picture or a symbol. Of the church coming through the sufferings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm.
1: What are some other examples then?
2: Okay.
0: Well, let me give you one. Uh, it occurred to me the other night that one of the greatest prophecies in all the Bible, great in terms of its overall impact, of its um, significance, is totally symbolic. And that is the prophecy in Daniel chapter 2, hmm. where King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And in that dream he saw this tremendous vision of a man who had a golden head and a silver chest and thighs of bronze and legs of iron and feet that were brittle. Every bit of that is symbolic in nature. And he didn't understand what it was. And so Daniel said, well sir you're the golden head and and you're going to be followed by the the chest of silver which is going to be the Medo-Persian Empire. And they'll be followed by the thighs of bronze which is going to be the Greek Empire. And then there's going to be the Iron Empire which of course was the Roman. And that final empire represented by the feet. Is going to be the empire of the Antichrist. And out of that empire is going to come, uh, ultimately, uh, the, it will be destroyed by a, a rock that comes that's not cut out by human hands. So it's a supernatural rock. It comes, hits the feet, destroys the whole thing, expands and takes over the whole world. And he said, that's going to be the empire of the Messiah. Every bit of that is symbolic in nature and took somebody to interpret it. The Bible's full of these kind of interpretive, uh, symbolic types. You got one in mind?
1: Well, I was thinking that there was three types of of prophecy or prophetic symbols in the Old Testament. We've got individual lives, like the life of Joseph, for instance. Mm -hmm. Joseph was rejected by his brothers. He was dropped down a well, symbolizing death. He was brought out of the well, symbolizing life. He was sold into slavery and he redeemed his brothers through his new position of power and authority just like Christ will when he's got the millennial kingdom and he's ruling. So there are individuals who are prophetic types. There's also historical events that are prophetic types like the seven feasts which I'd love for you to talk a little more about how the seven feasts are prophetic of, uh, sorry, uh, examples of prophetic events that are happening. And then of course number three is inanimate objects like the Ark of the Covenant or the Mercy Seat they are symbolic of Jesus' life. But could you tell me about the, the seven feasts?
2: Okay, Passover was mm-hmm. the first of the seven feasts. And in the New Testament the Scripture says that Christ our Passover was sacrificed for us. Then there was the Feast of Unleavened Bread which speaks of the time that He was in the grave. Then there was the Feast of First Fruits which speaks of resurrection. Following that was the Feast of Pentecost, which spoke of the descent of the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of the church. Then there is the Feast of Trumpets, which speaks of the coming of the Lord and our gathering unto Him. The
1: rapture, right? The one we're all waiting for. Absolutely.
2: (laughs) Imminent. Could happen at any time. Then there is the Day of Atonement, which actually refers to the conversion of Israel during the tribulation period. The rest of these refer to the church. That refers to Israel. And then there is the uh, Feast of Tabernacles, which many believe is a type or a picture of the kingdom. So all of these major events in the plan of God are typified by those feasts. And then various characters in Scripture, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you mentioned Joseph. Uh, Joseph's coat of many colors, for example, is a picture of the unsearchable riches that were in Christ Mm -hmm. And then, of course, he was put to death, and he was made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And then uh, Melchizedek is a type of the uh, high priest, the priestly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And throughout Scripture, virtually every book, there's a, a message been done on Christ in every book of the Bible. And you can go throughout the Word of God and find Scriptures, types, prophecies, symbols, all of which point to the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We actually need a working knowledge of the whole counsel of the Word of God. Many times we've just got a hold of bits and pieces of the Word of God and we fail to see how it all fits together. But Jesus is the common denominator that ties the 66 books of the Bible and He is the unifying theme of Mm -hmm. Scripture. Everything in the Old Testament... Points forward to Christ. Everything in Revelation points back to Christ, mm-hmm. and we see uh, Jesus as the central theme of the Word of God. That's right.
1: There was go ahead. Oh, well, I uh, you hear about symbolic prophecy, like silver means redemption and stuff like that. And my first thought back in the day when I was studying this is, well, where do they get that meaning? Why does this point to Christ? And in my search in the Bible, I found Colossians two sixteen through seventeen which reads, Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food and drink or the matters of a festival or a new boon or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of what was to come, the substance of the Messiah. So, all these symbols, all these prophetic types are all point to Jesus Christ and God did that for a reason. Why do you think God seeded the Bible so much with symbolism
2: then? I believe that God Mm. used object lessons. Many times in children's Mm. ministry we will use puppets, we'll use visual aids, we'll use various teaching symbols to illustrate biblical truth, and man being spiritually dead is unable to comprehend spiritual truth. Many of the things, for example, the writings of the Apostle Paul are deep and difficult to understand for the average person, and the Old Testament has object lessons in there that illustrate these scriptural truths and things that are otherwise seen as allegorical or Uh, perhaps just spiritual or mystical, are made very real to us through these real-life examples. Uh, Scripture says in the New Testament that those things which were written beforehand... Were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the age are come. They're in Corinthians. You know,
0: speaking of object lessons, it reminds me that one time I had Charles Ryrie on this program, interviewing him. And of course, he's known as a great theologian, and and you think of him as a great intellectual. Well, he was a very down-to-earth person, very funny person. Uh, but uh, he, uh, right in the middle of the whole program, I asked him. I said, "Do you think we're living in the season of the Lord's return?" He said, "I can prove it." I said, "I knew you were going to ask me that question." He reaches in his pocket, he pulls out an envelope. He says that envelope contains two objects that prove beyond a shadow of a doubt we're living in the season of the Lord's return. Open it up. So I opened it up. He said, "Pull it out." I pulled out, and it was a euro note. And I pulled out the other. It was an Israeli shekel note. He said. That's proof positive. We're living the season of the Lord's return because the Bible says He's coming back at a time when Israel has been reestablished and the Roman Empire has been revived. So when the program was over, I said, Dr. Ryrie, man, that was a really great illustration like a children's program where you, you give object lessons. He says, Oh, people think of me as some, you know, theoretical uh, theologian and all. He said, The very first book I ever wrote in my life was a book on object lessons for children. He said, I just love object lessons. And the Bible is full of these, as you pointed out. Pointing to Jesus Christ. And of course, all of that goes over to the book of Revelation, where it says over there in Revelation 19, makes a, a very interesting comment there. Revelation 19, verse 10, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. That's what prophecy is all about. It's all pointing to Jesus Christ. And and when you learn how to look for it symbolically, you can find Jesus in almost every page of the Old Testament. You know, my favorite my really my favorite symbolic lesson uh is the one you mentioned, and that is Joseph. Joseph. I mean, just think of it. Joseph came to his people with a special message from God, and they rejected him. Same way with Jesus. They took him and put him in a pit, which was a symbolic of his death, just as Jesus really died. He was taken out of that, symbolic of his resurrection. Jesus really was resurrected. He went into a far country, just as Jesus has now. He took a Gentile bride. Jesus doing that right now, taking the Gentile bride. It says when the Gentile bride is is complete, what will happen? He will appear to His people and they will receive Him. And what happened to Joseph? His brothers came and they received Him. So, everything in Joseph's life is pointing to the life of Jesus Christ. David the same way. Uh, David was a a person who was anointed to to become the king, but he had to wait a long time before he became king until Saul died. Jesus has been anointed King of kings and Lord of lords, but He is not yet reigning. He is not yet reigning. He will not reign until he returns. Right now, he's our high priest in heaven. But one day he's coming to reign, and he's going to be like David. He's in a period of waiting right now. So I just love the symbolism of the Old Testament and how you can find Jesus on almost every page if you really look for him.
2: <laughs> you mentioned Joseph. Also, Joseph had an original dream or vision, which speaks of the fact that God had a plan and purpose before all of that came about. He ended up telling his brethren, He said, "You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And God had a predetermined plan and purpose, which is worked out. And His very dream
0: was symbolic prophecy, as a woman with this crown and and all this sort of thing, and it was pointing to the uh, the the development of the children of Israel and twelve tribes and all. And and uh, so we, we just have these symbols all through the Bible." But we have to be very careful uh, and let the Bible interpret itself exactly. yes, and, yeah. and, and be careful that we don't go off into wild situations which some people often do. Well, I'll tell you what, I want to come back in just a moment and have you talk about the Tabernacle of Moses in the Wilderness.
1: Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our interview of Alan Walker. Hey Alan, can you tell us a little about your background and what got you into Bible Prophecy?
2: Yes, Nathan, thank you. Uh, my wife and I uh, work full time at the Voice of the Martyrs, a Christian ministry uh, dedicated to fulfilling the uh, ministry to the persecuted church. Important ministry and, then, and then travel, uh, I travel weekends teaching Bible prophecy in the tabernacle. Uh, I was first exposed to Bible prophecy in 1974 through the Bible Map An Overview of God's Plan of the Ages by Leon Bates and then the tabernacle I was first exposed to in 1975 through a godly couple that taught me the the ABCs of the tabernacle and I've had an
0: interest in it since that time.
2: Hmm.
0: Well that's great and uh, I I I want to ask let, let's just follow up now on the tabernacle. I know you've done a lot of work on that. And we're going to tell people at the end of the program how they can get a lot of that work free of charge. Uh so tell us why is it important even know anything about the tabernacle of moses and what does it mean in terms of symbolic prophecy
2: well the scripture says dave that out of the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established and there are certain things in the word of god that are just mentioned a time or two And then there are other great themes of the Word of God which heavy emphasis is given to. There are some fifty chapters in the Bible dedicated to the tabernacle, and if God dedicates fifty chapters to something, we know it is a central theme of the Word of God, and we need to major on the majors, minor on the (laughs) minors. And if if God puts heavy So this is
0: a major, huh? Yes, sir. All right. Well why? It
2: foreshadows redemption. Okay. We mentioned that we need object lessons to help us understand spiritual truth. Uh, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ is typified or pictured in the tabernacle. There are actually hundreds, probably several hundred lessons we could learn through the tabernacle. We'll just hit the high spots today. But all of us are aware that there was a seven foot high white linen fence that went around the outside of the tabernacle called the outer court. That seven foot high fence illustrated the fact that man did not have the righteousness necessary to come directly into God's presence. There was only one gate leading into the tabernacle typical of the fact that Jesus is the only way to Heaven. Jesus said, I am the way. He said, I am the door. He did not say, I am one of many ways. Let's
0: just pause here for a moment and clarify one thing before you continue, and that is that for the viewers who may not be that familiar with this, when we talk about the Tabernacle of Moses, what we are talking about is a tent temple. That uh, w- that the children of Israel carried with them in one of the forty years of wandering in the wilderness before they built a a permanent temple in uh, Shiloh or, or in Jerusalem, so this is a a nomadic temple that was made of tents, and it had a uh, a, a a linen or whatever uh, fence around it, mm-hmm. so and then a gate okay.
2: It was the center of the sacrificial system. We're all familiar with the basic truth of the Word of God. Without the shedding of blood, yes. there is no remission of sin. When the, people, when the priest came into the gate, the first piece of furniture there was the brazen altar, which was a picture of the cross. Sure. Uh, the sacrificial blood was offered there. Then the priest would have to take the blood and go into the Holy of Holies, and their sins were put off for another year. But there was no chair in the tabernacle. The priest could never sit down. down. His Hmm. work was never finished. Over and over those offerings had to be done. And the book of Hebrews points out very clearly that that was a system that was only temporary and it was pointing toward the one sacrifice that the Lord Jesus Christ would make. When Jesus died on the cross, He cried out to Telestai, one Greek word meaning paid in full, translated it is finished in the King James, and Jesus put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. You and I as New Testament Christians live under a much better covenant than what they did right. in the Old Testament. So what was the next object that people came into contact with? The brazen laver which was, was made out of the looking glasses of the women uh, from Egypt Mm-hmm. and it had water in it, and the priests would have to wash before they could come in to do their priestly services. And many scholars believe that that brazen labor is a picture of the washing of water by the Word, that not only must we be saved by the sacrifice of Christ, we must apply the Word of God to our lives, bring ourselves into conformity with the Word of God, with the help of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And uh, the priests had to do that. It was mandatory they could not bypass right. the brazen altar. They could not bypass the labor. It had to come uh, that way. So
0: that gets us now to the entrance to, into the uh, tabernacle itself. Yes.
2: There were five pillars on the front of the tabernacle, which reminds me that Jesus was wonderful, counselor, mighty mm-hmm. God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And it rested upon sockets of brass and brass, you remember the brazen serpent was lifted in the yeah. wilderness and that was a type that sin had to be judged before a man could come into the presence of God. Yeah. We don't come into God with our own unrighteousness. We must come to the Lord Jesus Christ. We must have His righteousness to have a relationship with God.
0: So you go into the holy place. What's in there?
2: The holy place had the golden lampstand, seven branch lampstand. Uh, made out of a talent of pure gold, a beaten work with a central branch and six other branches. The priest would fill it with the olive oil, which was a picture of the Holy Spirit. And the lampstand was the only light in the holy place. There was no sunlight, there was no natural light, and it all had to be provided by the olive oil and then there
0: was a table of showbread. Well, uh, with that lamp, was that could that be a symbol of Jesus or the Messiah as the light of the world? Jesus as the light of the world. One and of then his great discourses. With yes. The sevenfold
1: spirit.
2: Sevenfold spirit. All of those are listed there. And that is very typical. And the number seven is found predominant throughout the tabernacle as well as many other places in the Old Testament. And some scholars see Jesus as the central Mm -hmm. branch. And we as born-again believers grafted in as I'm the vine, you are the branches. Let's move on to the table of showbread. The table of showbread. Jesus is the bread of life. And they must feed upon the bread to... To sustain them to do their priestly ministry, and it had uh, it was unleavened, and leaven was a type of sin and false doctrine.
0: No leaven speaks of the sinless life
2: of Christ.
0: Okay, that brings us to the uh, entrance into the holy of holies, the veil there, and. The veil separated man from the presence of God and man could not come
2: into the presence of God apart from blood sacrifice and only the priest could come in behind the veil with the blood and then put off sin for another year. But when Jesus again died on the cross, that Mm. veil was rent signifying that the way into the presence of God was opened up for man. Interestingly enough, Schofield says that the priests patched that veil back up and continued to offer animal <laughs> sacrifices for another 40 years after the death of Jesus when salvation had already been completed by the work of the Son of God.
0: Now, in the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. That's the, the Ark, symbolism of that? Part, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: the Ark of the Covenant is well known to everyone. Uh, that symbolized, It was made of acacia wood, which was a desert growth Uh, spoke of Jesus as a root out of dry ground Mm -hmm. overlaid with gold which was a symbol of His divine nature. Mm -hmm. Jesus was 100% God, 100% man in one person and His divine nature and human nature are both typified by that. Inside the Ark of the Covenant were the tables of the law, uh, Aaron's uh, rod which had budded supernaturally. Now that rod had been cut off. Yes. And then when it budded supernaturally, that spoke of resurrection life. So there, the death and resurrection of Jesus, Jesus said, no man takes my life from me. I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up again, this commandment of I received my father. And then, of course, the manna was there. But that spoke of the fact that man had broken God's law, he had rebelled against the priesthood there when Korah rebelled mm-hmm. against the priesthood. And then he complained about the manna in the wilderness which spoke of man's threefold rejection of God. And God looking down upon that would see the sin and see the broken law. But the mercy seat, a solid wow. slab of pure gold covered over those elements in the, tabern- or in the Ark of the Covenant. And the priest would put that blood on the mercy seat which was propitiating them and and putting sin off for another year.
0: So it was a symbol that the death of the Messiah through the shedding of His blood would make it possible for the mercy of God to cover the law of God.
2: Right. Rather than facing law, we face grace. Yes. Amen. You and I have grace today because of what Jesus did. But these object lessons from the tabernacle help us understand these spiritual truths in the New Testament.
1: Alan, you gotta tell us about the angels, because that's my favorite part. Okay. Why were there two angels on the mercy seat?
2: Okay. Well, one scholar said that we believers, we born-again believers, are the curriculum that angels study. The angels <laughs> the angels look on at God's plan of redemption and they see God's involvement with man. And as they are watching there, facing each other, looking upon the mercy seat, they see redeemed humanity. And they are watching the ongoing conflict between good and evil. And it also speaks of the angels guarding the essential holiness of God. The Shekinah, visible glory of God, would appear there in the Holy of Holies. And it's a very beautiful picture of mankind being redeemed by the blood of Jesus
0: Christ, an angel studying and watching all of this transaction, you know in John chapter twenty and verse eleven, it talks about Mary going to the tomb, and says Mary was standing outside the tomb, weeping, and as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb, and she beheld two angels in white sitting one at the head, one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lain and I, That just grabs me because it what she saw. Was a fulfillment of the prophecy of the Ark of the Covenant. She saw the mercy seat, where the Lord's body had been lain, where the blood had been shed, and she saw two angels at each hovering over that sacred spot. The fulfillment of what this is talking about. Isn't that amazing? It just sounds like something, nothing but just a historical statement. But if you know something about the symbolism in the Old Testament, you realize she's seeing the fulfillment of prophecy there. Well, Dave,
2: you had pointed out something in some of your writings about the priest taking the blood and marking the earth. Yes, he would step
0: back and mark the earth. Why did he do that?
2: Well, he was claiming the earth, and the Lord Jesus Christ ultimately will come back to rule and reign over every square inch of planet earth, and that typified there in the Old Testament through the blood offering and many scholars believe that the tabernacle itself with its types, shadows and symbols was a picture of the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and Mm -hmm. his sufferings as he came to die and to redeem us and the temple which was built later under Solomon was a picture of Christ in the kingdom ruling and reigning as King of kings and Lord of lords. Yes. And so, the tabernacle is a, is a temporary dwelling. The temple was seen as the permanent dwelling, but then yet there is the eternal state beyond
0: that as well. Wow, well, I tell you, it's just, it's just amazing. Isn't it? uh, 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 all of the symbolism, that, and you've only touched the hem of the garment. I know that Absolutely. in your teaching on this you go into great detail oh, yeah. and, and point out things that I never even thought of before that have to do with, uh, with that.
1: Pages after pages after pages. I found it fascinating what you read. And it reminded me that I used to wonder why was God so particular about the measurements and what was in it and how each thing was made in the tabernacle. And then you read in Hebrews 8, 5 and 10, 1 that they're a shadow of the heavenly things. So, the tabernacle and the temple are actually small scale versions of what we'll see someday
2: in heaven, right? Right. Uh, All of this is extremely important. It illustrates eternal truth. All of the I am statements of Jesus are typified in the tabernacle I am the door I am the way the truth and the life I am the bread of life I'm the vine you're the branches Uh, I'm the uh, the gate yeah. Uh, yeah. All of this is pictures of Jesus.
1: And the Jews would yeah. have understood that, right, as he was teaching?
2: They should have. They should have been able yeah. to look at the Old Testament and see. Uh, of course, Daniel talks about a specific time for the coming of the Messiah. They should have been able to see that clearly from the writings of the Old Testament. Well, I tell
0: you, it would be difficult to find an object lesson more important than the tabernacle of Absolutely. Moses. Welcome
1: back to our interview with Alan Walker on Symbolic Prophecy. Alan, it's been a joy and a blessing to have you here. Thank you, Nathan. May your ministry be blessed. And can you bless our viewers by telling them how they can get in touch with your ministry?
2: Yes. Please contact Alan Walker Ministries on the World Wide Web at awmin.org. Again, that's awmin.org.
0: Uh, Alan, is it true that people can go there and download free of charge a PowerPoint a presentation about the tabernacle together with a 17-page script.
2: Yes, Dave, there are 17 pages of notes and a 44-slide presentation uh, that's royalty-free and available for download. That's
0: wonderful. I hope our people will do that because this needs to be taught everywhere. Amen. Well, folks, that's our program for this week. Uh, I want to thank you for tuning in. Hope you'll be back next week same time. And until then, on behalf of myself and Nathan Jones, look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near.
1: We are pleased to announce that Dr. Reagan's newest book has just been published. It's titled, The Jewish People, Rejected or Beloved? In this 230-page book, Dr. Reagan deals with a variety of challenging questions. Have the Jews ceased to be God's chosen people? Are they guilty of the unforgivable sin of killing God? Dr. Reagan deals with these and many other questions regarding the Jewish people. And in the process, he reveals the evil of replacement theology and the tragedy of dual covenant theology. And he does so in simple, understandable language. This book can be yours for a donation of $15 or more, plus the cost of shipping. The Lamb and Lion Ministries Annual Bible Conference is scheduled for July 11-12, 2014 and will be held in the beautiful Eisman Performing Arts Center in Richardson, Texas, a suburb of Dallas. The theme of the conference will be America's Spiritual Crisis and will begin with a one-hour concert by Dove Award winner Janet Pascal. Dr. David Reagan will follow her by delivering the first of six presentations. The conference will continue all day Saturday with presentations by best-selling author Carl Gallops, New Age expert Warren Smith, cold expert eric barger national radio host jan Markel, and christian doctrine expert mike Gender. the conference is free of charge but seating is limited and therefore you must register you can do so by calling the number on the screen monday through friday from 8 a.m to 5 p.m central time or register online at landlion.com